I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. From Backpage, welcome to a new episode of Between the Lines, the podcast that tells the stories behind great sports writing. My name's Martin Gregg and this is my chat with Raphael Honigstein about a piece he wrote for The Athletic. It was published on January the 3rd, 2020 and I guess it is the anatomy of Erling Haaland's transfer from Red Bull Salzburg to Borussia Dortmund, which was announced just under a week earlier. Raph has done some great work for The Athletic, but this piece interested me most because it is so difficult densely researched, it's got such great insight and I guess it's the sort of piece that only someone with Rafa's contacts book could pull off. He describes it in the interview as something of a detective story and I think that sums it up really well. So this is the story behind the detective story. Enjoy! We were just chatting before we started there about a couple of excellent interviews you did with uh, Thomas Muller which is presented in a kind of Q&A format, and then Tony Cross, which is more of like a standard feature. But this piece is something different again. And part of what I wanted to explore in this is, is what goes into the, the making of a piece like this. I'm very interested in how it was constructed. It's a very detailed piece. There's lots of what you might call insider information and you get a strong sense of you kind of working your contacts book here which is what struck me about the piece at the time can you talk a little bit about you know firstly the kind of level of work that goes into this type of piece um, but that I mean you know how long do you spend on it how many people do you speak to and you know the challenges of kind of standing up some of the information I guess that's contained within it I mean this this particular piece had a few challenges uh, one of them was the timing uh, Harlan's move was announced just before New Year's. Everyone is in Germany uh, on holiday at that, that time of year. There's no football. Um, and you want to contact people. You want to find out about what's going on. And, and people are on holiday and very reluctant to go back to you. <laughs> and you almost feel feel a bit bad to sort of bother them um, around that time of the year in Germany. It's, it's very unlike the UK where... It's kind of the busiest season and no one is working. Everyone is working who's in football. Um, so that was one of the issues. Uh, the other one was that you are basically working with a story that has three elements and three different um, countries, if you will. I mean, there was the, the Norwegian angle, his people, um, you know, people close to him, uh, people involved in the move uh, in one level or another. Uh, there was, of course, the Dortmund angle as well. And there was through um, his management, Mino Raiola, an Italian angle, um, you know, where you'd had to try to find out whether some of the information that has been, had been disseminated by other clubs, uh, namely Man United, when the deal didn't happen, how accurate was that? Um, and it was very difficult to sometimes to square the information because uh, those three parties were not always giving the same um, the same info, or shall we say maybe they didn't always put the same spin on things. Dortmund were very keen to express how pleased they were and how the deal that they made um, was, was financially sound as well as uh, great in the sporting sense. 
Um, the people close to Haaland, uh, or people who know him well, were, I think, trying to impress on, uh, on me and everyone else that this was a sporting decision, not down to money. And uh, as far as Raiola and, uh, you know, the Italian side is concerned, um, again, I think there was obviously a, um, an intention not to, or to counter some of the, to counter some of the information that had been put out uh, by United, which, which perhaps painted them in a bad light. So it was very much a case of phoning a lot of people. Um, I happened to know some of the people involved, but others I had never come across and never worked with. So you try to speak to as many people as possible. You try to ideally double or triple source information, but it's not always possible uh, in such a case. And then you take your your findings and then you kind of go back on them and, and put them to some of the people involved and hope that they will kind of confirm it or at least deny it in a way that shows you that they're denying it because uh, they, they don't want to be, uh, confirm it rather rather because they, they think the information is inaccurate. So um, not everything is can be 100% watertight in a, in a, in a thing like this. Um, when somebody tells you something on, on in good faith and they've always been straight with you, you, you put more value on that and you tend to be a bit more ready to trust that than, than with others. Um, but ultimately, I think the idea was to just give as rounded a picture as possible and just to to really explain what, what happened. And I think that's when, that's why, uh, one of the reasons I, I really enjoy working with The Athletic because I think the idea very much is to to just try and write what, what, what really went on, what happened. And it's, it's very difficult because um, football is so intransparent and, and secretive at the same time it's it is also fun doing a bit of detective work yeah it's, it almost is like a detective story isn't it where you're trying to piece these elements together now i, I presume that you know you, you would have a level of kind of working knowledge of the of this, this the player and the story i would imagine just from you know the fact that he is an emerging figure in the game but I guess when when this transfer becomes imminent, you have to scale up that knowledge, um, and you have to go much much deeper. So, like, so what what was the kind of time scale of of putting this piece together? Like, uh, it was published on um, January the third uh, at, at the point where he signs for for Dortmund. But have you been working on it for like a week or two? Like, what what kind of is it roughly the time scale? No, I started working on it when, when the transfer was announced, which I think was on the 29th of December. You know, it did take the best part of a week. Um, sometimes things happen quite quickly when, for example, when people in Germany started coming back on the 2nd um, to work, then it was a lot easier to, to get some information. Other stuff just took really, really long because no one was around or... People thought they had better things to do than talk to me about uh, <laughs> this transfer. So um, it, did, it did take a time. And again, what I really appreciated and what is different, I think, working for The Athletic is that the feedback was always, well, take another day, take another two days if you need to. Um, write it when you think you've got enough. Write it when it's ready. And um, that is, well, first of all, very good for a, for a journalist, of course. Uh, but also it makes a lot of sense because this story is still being read today. 
and it is timeless to an extent. Yeah. And it's more important that it delivers enough punch and enough information rather than being first or second or third. Um, and we, we got a little bit lucky, I must say, also to an extent, because, because everyone was on holiday in Germany. Um, the kind of uh, magazines or papers that would have done similar things and, and written some of the stuff that we were maybe first to, uh, to write about in that detail, they would have probably come out ahead of us. Um, but they they were all on holiday. It's interesting. It's almost a cultural. Th- it is a cultural thing that where the the winter break in in Germany does seem to be this complete shutdown. Um, it was interesting reading the Per Mertesacker book, which you go show obviously with Per, and he he talks about he loves the winter break and like uh, this would be a time for family and for complete shutdown. So I mean, this is not a case of people are half working in Germany. It, it seems to be that when when they're off. They are completely off during this period. Yes, they are. And um, I think most teams started training either on the 2nd or the 3rd or the 4th. Um, but before that, um, it's a period called between the years in Germany, where, where it's sort of, you know, between Christmas and New Year's, where it's neither here nor there, but the understanding is very much that nothing's going on. Uh, most shops are closed. Um, people don't really see it as a time for shopping. Um, things do really slow down considerably and, and football not being there and footballers and, and people and officials not being there um, slows things down further because there's almost no point, you know, if you're, if you're a newspaper writer to come into the office because there's just nothing, there's nothing to write about. Everyone's on holiday. So that definitely helped us in this, in this particular case. Um, but I think what also helped us, of course, that, you know, a transfer story is essentially is a happy story. Um, three parties got what they wanted and uh, while they might be reluctant to talk about the details and, and make sure that they're presented in a light that's favorable to them don't we all um, I think they they were by and large quite happy to to be fairly open because everyone thought that they had done great work and had got a great deal out of it you know Dortmund um, were, were proud of their achievement of getting this guy Harland, I think, was really, really happy with having made this decision. I think the agent um, uh, obviously wanted to show that why this was the right decision and, and why it made sense and why others were wrong to sort of dismiss the reasons why they went, etc. So you are, as, as much as it is a detective work, you're not, it's not solving a murder case. You are dealing with something that is actually quite positive and that people are, to an extent, quite happy to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that comes through is this is a complicated signing process that stretches over the best part of maybe three or four years, and some different elements to it. Though there's the you know the WhatsApp messages from the Dortmund players to Holland. There's the offer from Puma. Um, there's how Dortmund handled the relationship with the the agent. Um, there's a financial package. You talked a little about a bit about it before about these different elements. Is it almost like a kind of kaleidoscope, you know, where you're just trying to kind of twist it and wait for things to come into focus? Because you're never going to, you're never going to get to the bottom of every single issue. But if you can just start to see a picture emerging, does that kind of? And then at that point, it goes back to you know, write it when you've got enough. Is that is that the point that you're trying to get to with a a, a, a story like this? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some stuff I couldn't I couldn't put in because um, I did not have enough information about it. Stuff that emerged later on, for example. Um, also, stuff that I wasn't sure if this wasn't just sort of a bit of propaganda, and even in the, even if it wasn't a positive sense. So I left it out. Other stuff like the the WhatsApp messages. It was interesting because Dortmund as a club, indirectly. And Thomas Delaney, in a more direct way, said, well, actually, we didn't really send these messages, but I've got on very good authority that, that they did, someone did. Uh, so that was, that was funny that that was the one, the public thing that, uh, that was kind of denied, and even though it's fairly inconsequential. It, it wasn't sort of a natural decision to say, at this point, I've got enough or not, or an easy call. It was more that you felt that you wanted to give a rounded, as rounded as uh, possible a picture. Um, one phrase that I um, often came across uh, working with uh, German media, with uh, one magazine in particular, which was not necessarily football related, but uh, more sort of lifestyle, um, they talked about um, cubist journalism and, and 360 degree journalism. So the idea that you take a subject and you try to cover it from all possible angles. Now, that is, of course, not possible because uh, there are too many angles to cover and some of them will be stronger than others and you will have access on one side but not on the other. But I think as a general guideline for something like that, it's a useful way to think about it. Um, so I try to just think, you know, what are these, what are kind of the parts that go into this? You know, there's a scouting process, there's a negotiation process, um, there's sort of the stuff that happens behind the scene, um, you know, Puma have a Norwegian uh, CEO uh, after the story. He said, no, no, I was not involved as a Puma CEO, but I was involved as a Norwegian. Okay, read, your, read into that what you, <laughs> what you will. Um, so that was funny. Um, so basically you just see, you know, what are, the, what are the angles here and how many of them can I cover? And have I covered enough to, to make it an interesting piece? And um, I would have, you know, liked to do more, of course. Um, and I'm sure there will be another Holland piece to be written or two or three. But um, as a still fairly sort of current reaction to what happened like four or five days ago, I thought it, would, uh, it stood up quite well. I mean, you'll have been reporting transfers for a long time now. Do you find that they're becoming these deals are becoming more, I don't know, maybe impenetrable or opaque? Um, the complexities of them must be increasingly challenging for someone like yourself to try and shine a light on. Um, I think it's a it's a matter of of balance. I mean, you you do find that the some of those big deals are incredibly complex and difficult to to get the, to the bottom of. At the same time. As you become more experienced and uh, you grow your network of, of contacts, it becomes also, to a certain extent, easier to get information. So I guess the net effect is kind of zero. Things do become complicated and murky, but then you still have probably more of an insight that you had five, six years ago. We just didn't know as many people uh, in the business. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a give and take situation. I think the... Every case is a little bit different. I mean, uh, if you think about Leroy Sané's off on and off deal for Bayern, for example, I mean that is is so complex. There, you have a different type of management who are not very vocal, who don't talk to the media, 
and it's it's much harder to to get solid information out of it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I want to talk about the introduction to the piece, um, which I'll read out just now. It says, three days before Erl- Erling Holland's secret medical on Sunday, December 29, Borussia Dortmund were still unsure whether they had won the race for this winter's most coveted player. Now, one, one of the things I really liked about that is that it kind of really establishes your authority as a writer because it's clear to the reader that you are someone who has the inside track, that you are in command of all the facts. Is that what you kind of you're trying to do at that point by putting in, you know, the specific dates and details? Are you trying to convey that to the reader that what you're about to read here is inside this deal? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean that that is a trick and I think there's always um, a way of doing it uh, that ideally doesn't come across as I know everything um, but uh, should say to the reader I know something and I want yes. to share it with you and you will find it interesting I think it's always that point where you don't want to go over the top I don't like as a reader I don't like seeing pieces that say inside so and so and then I read the piece and then it, there's I feel like let down um, yeah. I don't want to over promise I don't want to come across as the guy who is the has complete authority um, because I've been involved from the start to the finish. It's not, it's not true. But I think with this particular intro, I really wanted to convey also the, the dynamic of the situation. I mean, this was a case that really kind of went down to the wire and it went down to the wire because it was so complicated and there were so many factors to consider. So I, I thought having that intro... It did all the things that you talked about, but it also, I think, was apt for the story that was going to be told, which was a club essentially being very, very happy that they got someone and they got someone who even on the day or the day before the the medical took place, they still weren't 100% sure whether they had won the race. And that, that created sort of its own kind of a sense of, uh, of drama and, and a sense of jeopardy. So that that's why I chose this intro. I think there's only one person who is actually quoted in the piece, or or, or an attributable quote, um, which is uh, the Dortmund chief scout. Is it Marcus Pilawa? And he's he's brilliant. He's a great voice because he fleshes out the not just the pursuit of Haaland, but how the club kind of build the case for signing players. 
Um, and, and I guess he was such an important voice to this because to understand how and why Haaland signed for, for Dortmund, you kind of have to understand Dortmund's process, don't you? Uh, you know, the whole the whole uh, system that goes towards um, bringing these players to the club. So it must have been important to, to include his voice in the piece. Yeah, absolutely. I think he was one of the key witnesses for this for this piece. And uh, you're absolutely right. I think through him, you really understand how a deal like that comes about, not because he scores a couple of goals in the Champions League, but actually goes back three or four years and, and could have happened before. And then the club said, you know what, he's not quite ready yet, but we keep in touch with him. I've since been told that from another club that they had called him almost weekly just to stay in touch over, over the length of a year or so, just to make sure that they still know we want you. The amount of sort of work and, uh, and care that goes into sort of cult- cultivating a, a possible transfer target is, is quite incredible. And um, it was great for him to go on the record because, of course, you could have told that, that part of the story just uh, without the quotes as well, but it was just nice to to see someone to kind of own that part of the story and also kind of, I think, show just how proud Dublin were of, you know, having, having done such great work. And I think uh, football is often populated by people who want to take credit for things that don't necessarily have much to do with them. But I think this was a case of sort of the, the more unseen work and the more unseen part of the, the football machine um, having a bit of deserved limelight and uh, I thought that was another reason why I was really happy for him uh, almost, you know, to to be in there. It's an interesting counterpoint with the Manchester United situation as well because you kind of make the point in the piece that uh, I think Solskjaer flies out to see him at some point and they have this meeting and um, obviously they share certain things in common but you've already painted in this much broader kind of approach that Dortmund have taken, um, which when you set it against a one-off meeting, uh, albeit with a very captivating character in Solskjaer, it does it, they're, no, they're nowhere near it when you, when, when you set it against you know, the work, the years-long work that Dortmund have put into this deal. Yeah, and of course there might be an oversimplification uh, and that might be part of the... Um, part of the punch, if you will, of, of the piece that it does have this stark contrast. We, we, we aren't quite sure um, if that is uh, the way that Man United would, would have necessarily presented the story. Um, but of course, if you, don't, um, if you don't get the deal done, then it's a bit like history is written by, by the people who do, you know. And um, that's why I had to go with what they were telling me and uh, also with people close to the father um, and uh, close to Haaland. And they, rightly or wrongly, painted that kind of picture of Man United being very powerful and, and having Solskjaer and having a lot of temptation, holding out a lot of temptation and um, making a lot of good arguments, but ultimately going not quite the same way of really convincing the player that this was the right thing, the way that Dortmund were able to do. So again, it kind of fits into this, I think, wider narrative that the the three key sides he wanted to portray, which was of people being very smart and considered and very careful with this decision, not just having made it because, you know, Dortmund playing yellow and his favourite colour. Uh, there was a lot of um, thought had gone into this and um, perhaps uh, United couldn't quite... 
uh, appreciate just how so strategic I think that decision uh, making process was because if you're Haaland and if you take United out of the equation I think having a more gradual development to your career as a 19 year old just makes inherent sense and I don't think that they see it as necessarily saying no to Man United they dispute the fact that Man United said no to them they see it as as a next logical step. I think that logic also needed to be fleshed out in the piece. One of the aspects that you don't dwell on in the piece is, I guess you would say, the potential of his talent. Um, and I imagine that's difficult to write about from, from someone in your position because um, it's just hard to write about young players who haven't come to fruition yet. And we obviously see the stats and we're all captivated by... Was it, is it the first teenager to score 10 goals in the Champions League in a single campaign? And I think he's now on 40 for this season. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to ask you how good he is, but what I'm going to ask you is, you know, from your observations, from your research over the years, do, do you see any roadblocks ahead for him? Or do you think he is someone with the, the mentality and the, the talent to, to keep progressing from the point he's at just now? I mean, it's difficult to answer. I mean, I'm more convinced now that I've seen him settle in so quickly at Dortmund than I was before. And uh, Dortmund themselves, you know, were saying on and off the record, um, I think this guy needs time. Um, he's a little bit raw. I think he needs to improve technically. Um, he arrived at Dortmund not being fully fit. He had some minor knee complaints that kept him out of the Salzburg team. So, I mean, there were a lot of things pointing towards, okay, this is now a great success in terms of the transfer, but for him to become a great success as a player, it might, it might take a bit. So I think you need to reflect that and uh, you can't pretend to know that he's going to start smashing goals in left, right and centre for Dortmund uh, immediately. Um, I don't think Dortmund themselves had any idea that it would go quite as quickly. I think that's almost sort of the next story in a way. You know, why, why have things worked out for him? Uh, how come he is so good? What makes him so good? Um, this, this has to be written and will be written, I'm sure. But our story was, uh, was really about the, uh, the transfer and how he arrived at Dortmund in the first place. But I think your piece does speak to his mentality. It speaks to the, the kind of the maturity with, it, with which this whole situation was handled. And that, that kind of bodes well, I would imagine, for, for him going on to become you know, maybe fulfil some of this incredible talent because he seems like quite a mature, balanced individual. Yes, I think that that uh, is absolutely true. That was one thing that I was told over and over again, how, how grounded he is, that he's not a guy who, you know, thinks in thinks about flashy cars and um, is interested into in stuff that would take him away from that... Uh, very committed path of, of being a professional and young professional and again I think that made him so valuable I think everyone wants to sign a player who has the the physical but at least as far as anyone can tell also the psychological attributes to really uh, go all the way I mean when we look at the very best players um, certainly if you know if you look at Messi and Ronaldo who set the benchmark of the last 10-15 years uh, part of what makes them so amazing is is that total sort of dedication to their craft um, and um, I think with Haaland there are early signs that he is um, in a similar vein as far as his devotion and commitment to 
to being a professional is concerned. And uh, that's why even at a young age, I think we've seen him already thrive and produce a lot of good stuff because he's totally focused on doing anything, doing nothing else. Thank you to Rafa for his time. Check him out on Twitter at Honigstein. And for goodness sake, sign up to The Athletic if you haven't already done so. It's cheap as chips and there's some fantastic pieces on there, including Rafa's Holland piece and also his interviews with Thomas Muller and Tony Cross, which were mentioned in the pod. I'll end with a couple of podcast recommendations. Check out the Read All About It podcast presented by Paul Cuddehy, which is a bit like Desert Island Books and features conversations with writers and personalities about their favourite and not-so-favourite books. Another one is The Tip-Off, which is basically a version of Between the Lines, but it tells the stories behind big news stories. It is brilliant. Thank you for listening. Please, please, please leave a review. Speak to you soon. Cheers. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.